Hey guys, Andres Gamboa Brewer here, creator and co-host of the Ponytails podcast. Nick Tiverti was with me today and we sat down with Jim Potts, who sold in the 1960s and was dear friends with Spencer Hayes. We definitely got into some of that. He was Spencer Hayes was his student manager. He recruited him right off the start. We got into the stories of how he got it in. He had his bar, his business activity report of his first summer right with him and he pulled it right in front of us and told us some of his stats it was a phenomenal episode guys we had so many good stories about spencer hayes about uh jim's times selling books and of course everything that happened since uh, a bunch of different amazing stories that really entrap you felt like a very awesome afternoon with uh with a great storyteller and so I hope you enjoyed this one. Let us know what you think in the comments and on YouTube if you're watching it there. If you're listening right now, uh, let us know what you thought uh, in our Instagram. DM us and we'll, we'll, uh, we'd love to hear some feedback. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't followed us, subscribe to, us stuff, to our stuff. If this is your first episode, I hope you enjoy. There's a ton more coming and a lot already. This is number 68, so hope you enjoy the rest of them. Uh, see you guys then. Peace. And now, without further ado, Jim Potts. Crazy, the company was crazy to think that the the company was already a hundred years old by the time you you picked up that sample case right jim yes you know, a lot of tradition a, there and we are yeah. tradition was there yeah we are the, on the air and the tradition <laughs> continues yeah welcome everyone to what is this now 68 andres i keep asking you every time 68, what yeah. yeah so we are almost to our one-year anniversary um, we're very excited to have uh, Jim Potts live with us tonight, um, coming in from Arkansas, just outside of Fayetteville. Um, and so Jim sold back in the 60s for seven summers um, from 1965 to 1971, and then was a sales manager for the couple years after that. Um, and so bless you too. I believe that was your, your wife in the background. <laughs> That's awesome. Um uh, we have a live audience for sure. Um, so yeah, that was my shoes squeaking. Oh, oh. oh okay. <laughs> Part, pardon the confusion there. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're excited to have you on. Dive. Let's dive deep into this this story that Ooh. happened a little while ago. Andres, what you got? We do got to mention mention. I do got to mention before we get into how yeah. Jim got into Southwestern. I, I got to tell you, Jim, we're doing a competition. Because one of our partners that we're working with is they're like an they're called Elevate Wellness and they do like uh, fitness training like one on one coaching, and uh, so we have a competition going to see who can get the best in shape essentially uh, from here until August, which is when we're having an alumni uh, getaway ex uh, excursion yes. trip. Yeah, so um, I'm sore, <laughs> I am very sore. I'm in pain. <laughs> But it is amazing. I've had my butt kicked the last couple of days, and it's been really nice because I've needed it. And so, yeah, if you guys are needing to get shredded for some reason, you guys got to hit uh, Seth and Zane up because let me take you I, up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, they they it's really cool. They have this whole like uh, nutrition plan that they set up for me. I don't know, Nick, if you've like got it started yet, but uh, the workouts are step by step. It's literally it's pretty nice. <laughs> It's, and it's simple. Yeah. So yeah, really Seth cool. just finished his what fifth summer. He sold yeah. over 10,000 units. Shout out to Seth, man. And Zane. Uh, but I, I was there when Seth was getting trained on campus. Uh, it was crazy to think that his first summer was right, right after my last. So it's crazy. Yeah. But Jim, I will put you in touch if you're looking for, for someone to coach you really, really well, because that's, or oh, anybody yeah. listening. They take you sure. up on that. Yeah. Right. 
And then we're also, this episode is also brought to you by uh, Nick Warner with Aptive Environmental. So these guys are doing pretty good with the pesticide industry. They call it bug juice, but basically they go around and they make sure that there's no skeeters and other stuff in your lawn over the summer. So if, uh, if you guys are looking for something to do this summer, maybe have a little opportunity for uh, uh, a career change, Make sure you guys hit us up. Uh, these guys are cr- like they're crushing it. They're cranking a lot of of, of cash uh, from this door to door thing that they're doing, and it's really really cool um, the way that they got it structured and how they got it involved. But uh, yeah, Nick can tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, Active Environmental. Nick Warner, um, former bookman. He's just like really applying principles to a whole, uh, from Southwestern to a whole different industry. Uh, pest control. Not pesticides, because that's that's more oh, for pest control. Uh, yeah. other things. Right. It, it's same, same, but different. It's all killing bugs, it's right? It's my second language. It's my second yeah. language, okay? <laughs> no worries. But uh, yeah, um, Nick's been a, a good friend of mine for many years. And yeah, it's it's been really impressive to see him uh, do well in that sphere yeah. um, and help others do the same. So hit, hit right. us up to connect with them. Absolutely. Now, oh, okay, this is going to be, the I think, one of the coolest episodes we've done. No pressure, Jim. Um, <laughs> no, on a serious note, I'm super excited like because no, on a serious note, I'm really excited for this because you uh, represent one of the cooler things about it, the internship that in Southwestern Advantage as a whole that we don't really appreciate as much. Um, we know about it. Everybody says, "Oh yeah, it's the oldest internship in the United States," or you know, it's been around since before the Civil War and all this stuff. But it doesn't really like connect with you because to you, that's that's in the history books. But when you meet a person who's who's who sold in the 60s and has i'm assuming going to be pretty amazing stories but also really relatable stories kind of just highlights the the essence of what makes it so cool uh to be able to like talk to someone like you and relate to you in a whole unique special way and so i'm excited to hear some stories and 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 and, you know sharing those memories with you so let's jump in usually we start out with how you got into southwestern um, you know, tell us a little bit about who you were that spring of 1965 before some person came up to you and said, hey, what are you doing this summer? You know, uh, the uh, I had gone from uh, a little town called Calvin, Oklahoma, uh, where I was, uh, in my own mind, a legendary basketball player, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> But I was a, a, a pretty decent basketball player and got some offers, but only wanted to play for Oklahoma State. That's the that's the only basketball school, as far as I was concerned, in the entire United States. And um, that didn't work out for me. I I, uh, I learned a lot about humility and embarrassment and uh, disappointment, discouragement. And uh, I had to rethink who I was. If I'm not Jim Potts, the basketball player, who am I, if that makes sense? Mm. And wow. so you you kind of struggle with that. You're, you're 18 years old and, and uh, you know, things are beginning to clear up for you. And I got invited to go to a meeting one night uh, at the OSU Student Union to hear a guy talk about, you know, selling books. I knew what it was already was before I got there, selling Bibles. And uh, of course, I didn't know what I thought about that. I just, you know, I'll go listen. And this uh, older guy, he was a lot older than me, almost bald-headed, if I remember right, Um, guy with a big smile and big bushy eyebrows, even back (laughs) then, 
named Spencer Hayes. <laughs> and uh, Spencer Hayes gave an impression. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he gave a presentation that was just, I mean, I, what am I going to say other than where do I sign? You know, wow. I, I want to go. Yeah. And uh, I remember, you know, when we got through and, every, you know, I'd signed and a few other guys had signed and I went out of the hall and uh, I couldn't stand still. I was bouncing up and down on my toes, you know, and he said, you're ready to go. I said, I'm ready to go. It's just February. <laughs> it's the, you know, the end of February. But um, that was uh, that was how I came to be, you know, the first My goodness. sign up. And uh, back then in those days, we didn't have good roads. Mm. And uh, so I headed out for Nashville, Tennessee on a uh, Saturday afternoon, about five. I, uh, we rolled into Nashville Sunday night. I mean, it was, uh, oh my we, we drove through, but it took forever. We got lost a few times and there was, I think, four or five cars and you know, and uh, we got to Nashville and went to sales school. And I I knew something was getting ready to change. I didn't know what. I just never been in, in an environment like that. And there were more guys in that room in that first sales school, I think, than were in my hometown. You know, <laughs> and um, so at any time you want to prompt me, either one of y'all, uh, I don't want to make this too long or too boring, but I'll no, tell you, you know, this, this is, this is amazing. You know, you're doing great. I studied, I studied very hard. And, uh, mm -hmm. all I remember about my student manager was he just told me I was doing terrible, just absolutely terrible. And I needed to, to practice more and more and more. Now, I think we had 36 different books that we sold, What? <laughs> but they only let us practice one sales talk. And that right. was on the big family Bible, great old big family Bible, sold for about thirty dollars, and and uh, that was our presentation. I don't know if if anybody else relates to what Jim just shared, but I remember my first summer, um, Southwestern moved away from like Bibles to do you know more education focus. Of course, they got the family Bible libraries, but we had one sales talk to study during sales school, and it was for the Advantage books. And, um, you know, at the end of sales school, there's like, by the way, there's a sales talk for the kids books. And you're like, what? There's another sales talk. Yeah. It's crazy that you uh, yes, have that, experience. Uh, so, so you yeah. wonder what to do with all these other books you have. But the only right. thing you really got in your sample case is the, you know, big family Bible. And uh, as I was sharing with you all, I, I, I made six sales that first week. And yeah. I, I said, if I could get this out again, I want to look at it, make sure, get, get all my numbers right. Yeah. Um, I do remember I, I averaged making uh, 34 <laughs> cents an hour. I, I rounded things off back then. I worked uh, 70, where is that number of hours I worked? Uh, um, this is, and just for people who are listening, because there's going to be people listening, I'm going to describe what's Okay, here we are. So, I worked 76 and five sixth hours. And I just <laughs> rounded it off at the bottom and said 76. Back then, we were only asked to work 62. Oh, wow. That's but, different uh, from today. I, I got out there, I'll just tell you this. I get down to Southern Florida, Sebring, hmm. me and my roommate, and... Um, 
on a Sunday morning as a long drive from Nashville. And um, I had a dollar and 49 cents and spent it on Sunday, which left, I mean, I had a dollar 52. I spent all but three cents. So Monday morning, I get up to go to work. I skipped breakfast because I didn't have any money to go eat. <laughs> oh and, my uh, God. But I was excited. And so, I, I, they told me to start knocking on doors wow. at eight. Yeah. I couldn't wait till eight. I had to start at 730. So there I went up and uh, knocked on this lady's door, 1965. And I went back to that same house in 1995. 30 years later. Oh my And gosh. retraced a lot of my summer. That, that was That's a meaningful year. Very sentimental. I love it. Oh yeah. And uh, she said it was too early. She was getting her kids to come get ready for school. Could I come back later? And I said, well, we sure I'd be happy to. And so I went over across the street and sat down under a shade tree and waited till eight o'clock. That's when I was supposed to start. And I went back and knocked on the same door. <laughs> and uh, she yeah. smiled when she came to the door. She said, I meant later in the summer, but since you're here, okay. And uh, she let me in. I gave a demonstration, and I'm getting down to the clothes, and her husband walks in. Did you ever have that yes. husband walk in and sabotage yourself? And this is my very yeah. first one. And her husband comes in, and what are you doing here? And I, you know, well, he's showing his family. Oh, we don't need a family. We got Bibles. We don't need any of those. Yeah. And, oh, and so I left, and I went to the next house. Well, that happened to be her mother-in-law and father-in-law's house. Ah. And I'd given them the demonstration and he shows up again. And he said, well, they don't need anything either. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, but that's okay. I, uh, I, I was not <laughs> really discouraged. I, uh, I don't, I hope y'all don't mind if I, I, I go through this and look now. No, this is great. I was beginning to get hungry. Okay. And um, I didn't have anything to eat that day. Now, you've heard stories of people that starved to death. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly sure how that happened. I once uh, heard a story about a guy's bird dog when he was out hunting, the dog froze, and that you actually get warmer before you freeze to death. That was a story I read one time. And I thought, I wonder if, if starving to death is kind of like that, because I, I'm serious. I was really, really hungry. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't sell a thing that day. I, I worked. I, I put in, uh, let's see here. I put in uh, 14 hours. I, I, I didn't count the 30 minutes because I started early. So I worked till 10 o'clock that night and, and didn't sell wow. a thing. And uh, I got up the next morning, and uh, my landlady, where I was living, Mrs. Tillman, uh, she fixed me a peanut butter sandwich that night. That's the best peanut butter sandwich I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I and, can imagine. Uh, I, I don't think she got up and fixed me breakfast the next morning. I honestly don't remember. But I'm out knocking on doors again. And about noon, I knocked on the door, and a, and a fella in his, a wheelchair came to the door. And his name was Sam Piety. And Sam was an older fella, uh, Church of Christ, you know, went to the Church of Christ, and he come to the door, and I gave my spill, and he said, well, listen, I'm not going to look at anything. My wife and I are getting ready to eat. And so you just come in and eat with us, 
and then we'll look at your books. And so I did not turn down that meal. That's the best <laughs> yeah. home cooked meal I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He wasn't interested in my family. Listen, it's now people that know me believe this or not. And uh, I got interviewed yesterday afternoon by uh, a movie director. He does uh, TV series. Uh, he's did. Um, I've got a whole list of the stuff he was telling me about MacIver and and uh, Touched by an Angel and uh, yeah. Walker, Texas Ranger and the Hulk and uh, X Files. It's just he's just a director, writer, producer. Wow. And um, so he uh, he told me yesterday. He was he was amazed at my memory, I, the things I remember from my childhood. I just thought everybody did that. Nick, yeah. I don't. <laughs> but anyway, Sam Pine, he knocked on the door. Ate, you know, we had uh, mashed potatoes and corn. I don't remember if there was a meat or anything, but I sure remember the mashed potatoes and corn. And then he looked at my books and he bought a Knaves Topical Bible. And a Knaves Topical Bible back then, I think it was 1995. And he wrote me a check. Um, so I took the check down to the bank and cashed it before I went to another house. And there was a new restaurant opening up there in town, or already actually already opened. I think it was one of the first in the, co in the country called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Whoa. And so I went... <laughs> And I ate lunch again. You never know if you're ever going to get to eat again, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I look back on this, I did about uh, 75, I guess 75. I, I had one uh, day that I actually sold $90 worth, I think it was $90. And Spencer would not let me count that because I didn't get deposits on two of those. Ah. So he had me subtract 60 and I was just trying to feel good, but he said, no, you know, you got to be disciplined. You got to tell yourself truth. You don't, you know, and all that stuff. So interesting. Anyway, what uh, I have, I have so many questions. So many I start questions. asking. <laughs> I have so many questions. Well, like, I, I do want to get, yeah. I want to get to, I want to get to talk a little bit, maybe a little bit later. We could say for this one for about Spencer Hayes, because he definitely deserves to be praised. And, and I definitely, we haven't mentioned him at all. I think the podcast or maybe here and there, but for those people who don't know, Spencer was a person who essentially ran the entire company for years. Uh, and he was an amazing, generous man who really believed and lived the like core Southwestern values and just really helped create this amazing culture and and incredible human being for sure uh he passed away a few years back and so yeah he was he was an amazing man but i want to definitely get to that relationship you had with him uh and give it space but i have a question for you so All right. you 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 said that, that you and for people who are listening what Jim pulled up was the, the bar, his business activity report is what he's looking at from his first week. He keeps it next to his lamp, next to his chair every day. And he just pulled it out and just started talking about it. So that's kind of what we're going through right now. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is it's so interesting that like the the, the same story is relatable because I think I've, I've had days where I was so hungry, I forgot my lunch and, and I wasn't oh, yeah. like starving yet, but a family decided just to randomly feed me. And it's hilarious that the same things were happening back then as they were happening in 2011 at least or 12 when I when I sold and so did you did you 
did you when you sold six you said it was 62 hours and 72 did you decide to do the 72 on your own did you already have that mentality 76 or 76 yeah excuse me excuse me what what drove you to work so late like what because i guess not, people weren't doing it back then i mean they do it now that's kind of like a pretty standard schedule today but but back then you said it was only 62 so how, what more encouraged you to do those extra 14 hours i just uh I felt that I had to work harder than anybody else. I just felt that way. And um, the, uh, the guy that was over the organization there was Clyde Irving. And I knew that Clyde, you know, the summer before had worked about 72 hours. And another fellow by the name of Bob Shearer uh, was down there that summer. And Bob became later uh, CEO, president, CEO, and chairman of Tom James Company. He just lives about an hour and a half from me. We have breakfast pretty often there you go. to this day. <laughs> and let me say this. Uh, when I look back on those years, certainly the education I got selling, being on my own, but the greatest thing, the very greatest thing above all things was the relationships I built with other guys. That's what I took away from those summers. Yeah. And to this day, that's my greatest treasure is my friendships yeah. outside of my family oh. it's my friendships. And, uh, you know, many of those guys have passed on now and, and there's not a day that goes by that I do not miss them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, when you get us, I just turned 76, two days ago and you get up there in years now. Are you sure not way, 75 and work, five sixths? <laughs> I still work harder than anybody else in this company. You know, I'm, I'm oh. still five o'clock. I, I, I only work half a day. You know, you I, I really get started at six and I quit at six. And, uh, <laughs> oh, we, we love that. <laughs> still uh, did. I love well, that. Let me, let me say this. I did not have a high opinion of Spencer after the first week, Andres. Oh, interesting. And I worked my tail off. I collected um, and had $35 cash that I'd collected. And I uh, went to the Sunday meeting and my roommate did not go to the Sunday meeting. He didn't want to. And I went and uh, they had them back then stand up to see who had sold the most and so forth and work the hours. And there were two things I, I learned from that Sunday meeting. Um, everybody was a better salesman than me. There were about 60 of us there. Every single person so more than wow. I do. I felt fantastic. I really did. But two guys worked harder than me. One was Ken Kimbrough and the other one was Claude Evans. And they were the first black guys to sell for the company <gasps> down in Florida. Cool. So it was we were making history back then. That is awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Ken Kimbrough later went to work for uh, federal government under Clinton and uh, Claude Evans become the longest serving member of the board of regents at Oklahoma state university. Wow. Yeah. So these were, wow. you know, just great guys. Hey, go. Do you, still, do you still keep in touch with them? I, I do. I do Ken, although it's very hard because I don't want to go into that too much. Uh, he, he's so political. 
Oh, I see. <laughs> Being yeah. in politics, I would imagine. That could, be, that could be a story for another time, for sure, yeah. It's a story for another time. Yeah. Because yeah. he ended up working for Clinton after right. he was president, and I worked for Clinton as a chief pollster, when, and I ran his polling organization when he ran for Congress the first time. That is a different story altogether. We won't go <laughs> Wow. So my roommate, I went to the meeting. I really did. I, I know they were worried I was going to quit, but I don't think I'd ever worked that hard in my life. Right. I had I never that. overcome the discouragement. I'm going to tell you one story about the, the, a profound thing that happened that first week. I'll just go ahead and tell you now. Yeah. When, when people are turning you down, right, they're turning you down. Um, you you will get discouraged. You'll just get discouraged. Yeah. But hope is something that you hang on to. And I kept hearing people say, you know, there's a preacher that lives a couple of blocks up the road here, a couple of blocks up the street there in Sebring. And and, and I had three or four people tell me about him. So I'm, I've got to go door to door. And uh, I eventually get to this house. And it's a big white colonial house with round pillars in the front, you know. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the door. I'm from Calvin, Oklahoma, population 400 people. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My hometown is Ada, bigger than that, but I went to a very small high school. And a maid come to the door. I had never seen a maid in my life. Mm. Oh, and man. and she was a black lady. And, uh, you know, she went and got the, the guy. And I'm thrilled because, listen, I'm selling Bibles. He's going to like Bibles, right? He's sure. going to like Bibles. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Whether he buys or not, at least he's going to love what I'm doing. <laughs> I built yeah. up that anticipation for quite a bit, maybe a couple of hours or so. <laughs> so when he came to the door, he uh, he looked at me and he simply said, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time. And he pushed the door open. It was a, a glass door. And he pushed it open. I had to step back. I'd set my sample case in the wrong place. And I tripped over it and fell into a swing on his front porch. And I was stunned. I was just, you know, I don't know the best words, but uh, it was not good. And I yeah. sat there. He never looked back. He never said, I'm sorry. I apologize for this. I don't like Presbyterians to this day. <laughs> and I don't like people that live in two-story white colonial houses. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's humor, all right? That is funny. <laughs> and the lady came out, the, the, the black lady came out. She was so nice and said, I will look at your books. Aww. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I'm a young kid and, and, you know, I'm shedding some tears trying to keep my composure because they, just, just that rejection was something I didn't expect. And, um, but I had befriended blacks in my, in a, in a town in Interdarko, Oklahoma on a paper route many years earlier. So I, I did, I really appreciated the, the difference in all of us. And, uh, but I went on and, and finished up my week, horrible week. And I called Spencer Monday morning because my roommate had taken my $35 and went back to Oklahoma and I'm broke again. Now I don't have any oh, money man. left. That's and, I'm not cool. and I'm angry. You know, that just really ticked me off. 
So I called Spencer and I told him what I thought of uh, where he sent me, Sebring, Florida. Everybody there was old and retired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably still that way, Dick. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, and it was a bad territory. Um, the uh, books weren't as good as I was led to believe because people didn't like them. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, he, and he didn't, you know, he really didn't come through on what I thought he promised me about if I'll just sell two a day, I'll, I'll make $2,000 at something. That was a lot of money back then. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I told him what I thought about him. And, and can I tell this story, Andres? Yeah, absolutely. Or do I yeah. need to tell the Spencer thing later? No, you can tell it now. Go <laughs> no, for it. Go for it. You well, jump in. there was one phone booth in Sebring, Florida. And that was down on the yeah. circle. They, they Sebring's built on a wagon wheel. So I found a phone booth and I called him, told him what I thought. And he said, now he called me Jimmy to literally up to the, I talked to him, you know, the week before he passed away and it was always Jimmy. Mm -hmm. He said, Jimmy, I would not buy anything from you either. My goodness. You, you, you've told me that you've got to make money and everything is me, me, me. And I, Mm -hmm. you're a very selfish person. Why would anybody ever want to buy anything from you? Mm -hmm. And I'm listening. Who does this wow. guy think he is, right? Yeah. That's... And he said, is there a house nearby? And I said, well, yeah, there's actually one across the street. Does it look like anybody's home? I said, well, there's some kids out playing. And he said, here's what I want you to do, Jimmy. You're, you're, gonna, you're now at a crossroads of your life. Is everything going to be about you? Or are you going to learn to let it be about somebody else? So he said, I want you to go over there. If she doesn't let you in, I want you to give a demonstration at the door. If she lets you in, I want you to give the best heartfelt demonstration that you can give. Now, when you come to the end, to the close, I want you to slam that book shut, look her in the eye and say, I apologize to you, Mrs. Jones. All I can think about while I'm showing you this book is how much money I'm going to make off this sale. I'm not going to be able to let you buy it. He told me that. <laughs> I uh, I found out wow. afterwards he had, he had done that with other people. Sure, sure. <laughs> I went first. And he wow. said he'd come back and call me. Now, I, I was somewhat naive, and I was convinced he knew that was the only phone booth in Seabury. <laughs> and he knows this is lady over there. Of course he knows she's home. And this is a test. Or is it a test? And I decided I wasn't going to take a chance. I was going to follow instructions. Remember what they say about following instructions. The encouragement. Teachable. teachable. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Teachable. And uh, so at any rate, I, uh, I come back and told him that. I said, now, Spencer, she wanted that book. She really wanted it. She did not believe I was. She followed me all the way to the front door and said, you really not let me buy that? No, man. I cannot let you buy this book. That was $30 sale. That was a lot. You yeah. know, I'd have made twelve dollars. Oh God. And and he told me that to keep that attitude about serving other people. So that next week, that week I'm in right there, I went from whatever it was about ninety dollars in sales to six hundred and sixty seven dollars in sales. Wow. And I kept that with wow. me the whole time. Yeah. And uh and then they moved me because I lost my roommate and they moved me to another territory. And uh, did you, I'm, did you I moved in with. Do what? 
Did you deliver the customers at the end of the summer as well? Yeah, but this I'm just getting into the second week here, Nick. Yeah, let's yeah go. take it easy, no, no. Nick. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story. <laughs> that's why this is so precious to me because I there look is. at it as the crossroads of my life, and I had to make wow. that decision: Who am I going to be? What am I going to be about? How you know? What do I do? And it's never about the money. It just wasn't about the money. And um, no. uh, and he probably didn't have that much back then either. You know, I don't. I don't know, 65. But I did move in with my roommates. Uh, they were all experienced. None of them practiced anything they were taught. They were absolutely the, the, the most. I was so disappointed. They so didn't you were there jump up in the morning. They didn't jump up in the morning. You know? Oh, my and, God. And so I, <laughs> they slept in. Remember back then, what you had to do, the alarm goes off, you jump up. Now yeah, jump up you got to get day. out of bed. To this day, I jump up. All these years later, they didn't. They just rolled over and laid there. And I thought, holy oh, cow. Oh, man. And there, there was, uh, let's see, me and J.C. Rogers and Owen Roberts and Mike Klein. There were four of us. We had one bathroom. Uh, ever who took the last bath, right? Yeah, had, had to use the cold water. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we didn't change the water because it took so long for the water in that tub to fill up. It was not a good experience. <laughs> and, oh, my uh, gosh. And we had moved to Arcadia, Florida. And, and uh, you know, I didn't know how to work a territory. I, at the end of the summer, I was driving 90 miles one way. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm surprised I survived and even lived through the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. But uh, we got through, and uh, I, I, my sales really did picked up and stayed strong. And uh, now it's time to deliver. And um, right before delivery, a hurricane hit, and uh, you know postponed my deliveries by a week. And they, mm. there were trees and everything blown down in that part of Florida. And I took my delivery book. Did they still have those books? You fill everything out, you go, and then you go back. Oh yeah. When you're making delivery, you're going out of a book, right? Yep. It's more or less. Yeah. yeah, they 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 do postcards. So you send a postcard to the parents letting them know that you're coming back and then you have like a little book of where course. you keep tra yeah, that's track good. of all that, the That would have been a good idea back then because people were surprised. This was uh I went through <laughs> my first round of all of my deliveries and what they taught us how to do if somebody doesn't have the money, leave the book there to let them feel like, you know, they own it. And then you come back around well, my roommate, Owen Roberts, threw my book away. He thought it was in a box of trash, and he threw it away. So now I'm trying to, where in the world have I driven? And this is absolutely a true story. Oh, my no. territory was spread out. You know, I was in Clewiston, Florida, <laughs> Nick, yeah, and as far away as Sarasota. And I was okay. in Fort Myers, and I was in Immokalee, and... and yeah. And Palmdale, uh, Moorhaven, and and it was it was awful. I don't know how I even you know got through it all. But on a Saturday morning, after I finally get through with all my deliveries, I don't know how many books for years I would think about. Oh, doggone! I they never. I didn't go back to their house. I stopped in Sarasota, uh, Florida, to get my car filled up with gas. And I walk into the gas station and the guy says, 
well, I, I was wondering if you were going to make it back. How much do I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue who he was. You know? <laughs> and I said, do you remember how much I, I uh, you know, you paid down to the books? He said, well, yeah. I didn't pay anything down on it. That was that, you know, and it was a layman's Bible encyclopedia. Right. So oh, my So that was kind of my, my first summer, you know. Amazing. And, um, that 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 one is um, that one's special, you know. That one's just yeah. real special. Yeah. Where did you say that first summer was? Sebring, Florida. Florida. Oh my gosh, it was all across that Everglades area. I'm I'm like looking at the map right now. Of course, it was all. Um, it was pretty hot that summer, wasn't it? You know, it rained every day. Okay. Okay. It rained every day, and it was yep. hot, but it wasn't. You know, I don't remember the heat bothered me that much. You're sure. from Oklahoma. You're used to hot summers. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. You know? That's, but I, that's uh, amazing. You know, I still to this day, you know, talk about those experiences. Now, I'm going to tell you a story of what happened yes. in a little town called Venus, Florida. V-E-N-U-S. Venus. There's a Venice on the coast. Yes. I sold there, too. But this was Venus, a little old bitty town that probably had 100 people in it. Okay, and I uh, stopped at a little grocery store there, you know, uh, to talk to a lady and showed her my books and and all. And uh, she said, "Well, I come back this evening after I close, and I'll look at all your books." Hmm. Okay, so I I went back later that evening. She lived in a little trailer house right next to the stayed in the trailer house next to the convenience store, and she went through every book that I had. It took a long time that evening. <laughs> and she said, first of all, I need to tell you, if you're going to be a great salesperson, you only sell what you believe in. And the only thing you can ever believe in is what actually helps people. If you're not helping people, see, then you're not going to feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. She gave me a sales talk. And so she said, now, I'm going to tell you right now, this big family Bible, you need to go ahead and quit selling that now. Mm -hmm. That was our... Nick, that's the one I learned the sales talk on, right? And uh, she said, uh, <laughs> people just put that on the coffee table for the preacher to see when he comes over. They don't ever use it. That's not going to help them. But, but she said, now this one, this Knave's Topical Bible, this one has real value. And I know a lot of people that are going to want this. And uh, how you been doing so far here in town? And I told her I had a few names, you know. She said, okay, I want you to stop in here every day at noon. And, uh, you know, you get bologna, you know, bologna and, and bread, you can eat your sandwich, right? Little bitty country store out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, she said, this name's topical is really good. And so I want you to focus on that. But the other one is called, it was called the Layman's Bible Encyclopedia. She said, now, let me tell you, that's simple enough that that's going to help almost all the folks around here. There's a few that can really use that name's topical. She's giving me a presentation of my books <laughs> and she said if they have children or grandchildren you always want to pick pull out that bit, beautiful bible stories now you focus on those and you'll do really well wow <laughs> and when i was stopping there i stopped in there miss miss how are you doing she said i need you to stop the griffins down here you know third house down they didn't let you in but they'll let you in now i talked to them this morning <laughs> wow <laughs> and you know, at the end of the summer, Spencer asked me a question. He said, Jimmy, I noticed 
little, not quite halfway through the summer, you quit selling and just sold uh, three books. Yes, sir. I did. <laughs> there you go. And I told him about the experience. Wow. That was 1965. That's better than Facebook. That's better than any good PR you could have on Facebook. That's just uh, it, the, the one lady that good. everybody talks to. <laughs> in, 19, in 1995, I was in Miami for a business conference and I rented a car and drove back to Venus, Florida. And uh, Irene Espiglobe, who was 52 at the time, is now in her 80s. And uh, it was really hard to find her. The little store was still there, but it was closed. I had to wait till noon for it to open. And uh, the lady said, yes, actually she had retired and, and uh, was living out in the house she was actually born in, out in the country. She had 300 head of cattle on 300 acres. Wow. <laughs> and uh, she said her name's not Espinblob anymore, it's Smith. And she had remarried, so she had been married three times, and all three husbands died, you know. Oh, man. And she outloved them all, and she's in her, it was in her 80s. And I said, call her, if you would, and tell her an old friend is coming by. This wow, is 30 years later. Goodness right? gracious. And so I <laughs> got out down those sandy roads and got out to her house and had a little fence around it, a little wire fence, this small house. And she was so puzzled. She kept looking at me, you know, and this is still kind of emotional to this day. When I told her who I was, she hugged me and she hugged me and she said, I want you to come right in, come right in and, and sit down and, and we got to get you some tea if you eat, and all that stuff. And, uh, and it was like a reunion of a grandmother I hadn't seen in decades. And she said, I want to show you something. And she had that name's topical Bible on her kitchen table and it handed out studying that morning. Oh, and then she showed me something I had no memory of. She showed me in the front where I'd signed it for. She wanted me to sign that for her. Oh, yeah. 30 years later. Oh my That's a story. That's a story. My goodness gracious. And I also told her, I said, believe it or not, the whole company finally figured out your wisdom and they had us just sell the next summer those those books. Yeah. <laughs> she influenced wow. the whole company. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, wow. you know, I let her she said I had that influence. I didn't tell her different, you know. Yeah. I, I let her believe that. But what the heck? You know. Wow. She changed a hundred year old company. She influenced. She felt proud about wow. that. And uh, from time to time during the summers, I would uh, get a chance. I would go back and visit some of those those customers. Oh and, my goodness! Uh, that, that was a great feeling. I hope I'm not talking too much. Y'all aren't. No, talking this is so good, Jim. You're, you're this is giving great. Some great content. Yeah, <laughs> this what is was amazing. The, what was the transition from that first to your second summer like? Well, I took home a good check from that first summer. And in spite of the fact that I lost a lot of money because I would always remember books I'd looked out there, I never got back. <laughs> one, one, one lady found me and, and she was sending me a dollar a week to pay for her book. She, I don't know how she found me in Ada, Oklahoma. I don't, wow. I don't ever remember that. Maybe I left her my address or something. I don't know. But um, the, the uh, that year I went to... Um, East Central, I transferred to East Central, which kind of liked me. The coach there really wanted me to come there to play. And so I thought, well, I'll go to East Central there in Ada, Oklahoma, which was my hometown uh, hmm. where I was born. And um, that was a 
I did really bad in school that next year. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. like really bad. I was Same. pretty exhausted from the summer. Yeah. I got there the last day to enroll. And, um, and I started dating this girl and I, I was broke by the first end of the first semester. I, I did not know how to handle money very well at all. Spencer would not have been happy with me. Uh, I did buy me a Dodge Dart GT convertible. That wasn't a good investment. And, uh, you <laughs> know, they stopped I making those in the 80s. Uh, here's, here's what selling did for me. There's a true story. It makes my wife mad to this day. I'm glad she's not here. <laughs> she's in the den. Uh, I, I, I saw this girl at the, the BSU. And, uh, you know, it was one of those just instantaneous first sight, right? And I watched her and thought, okay, I'm going to get to know her. I, I broke up with the first girl, spent all the money on her. I'm broke and I broke up with that first girl and uh, decided to go to the BSU and meet a girl over there I wanted to date, but I never, I didn't meet her for another 20 years. But I, I ran into Beth and on um, February the 12th, I asked her out for a date, second semester. All like I was, I was in love. And um, five weeks later, I was taking her back to the dorm. They had a curfew. We dated five weeks. March the 21st was the date. And I asked her to marry me. Five weeks. Yes. Don't be so surprised, Andre. You guys are too slow. You don't know. <laughs> and uh, here's what she told me. She said, well, well, Jim, this is awfully sudden. Uh, this is something that's a really big decision. She was a freshman 4.0, and the only way I got a four points to add two semesters together. But uh, <laughs> she told me she wanted to pray about that and think about it. Now, what do you think I said, Dick? I said, I know what you mean. Yeah, right? yeah I, I know exactly how you feel. I know yeah. how you feel. I know how you feel. This is sudden. <laughs> Let's do this. I'll, I'll call you at seven in the morning and then I'll give you time. Boy, this makes her mad. I called her at seven the next morning and she repeated the same objection. Do you, do you remember how to handle objections? You, do you know? agree with them. You're like, I, yes, yes, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, it is early. Uh, it's seven o'clock in the morning. Let me call you at nine. <laughs> and I called her at nine and, she said, yes. I said, okay, here's the deal. We'll get married the last day of school in May. Uh, and I'm going to go out and make a lot of money selling Bible books again. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. no. I did not make a lot of money that next summer. Oh, oh no. And, and again, it was Spencer that come to my rescue uh, because I'm going to tell you, I thought I was pretty hot stuff after that first summer. I really did. I'd gotten cocky, overconfident, and not mentally prepared for what was oh, going to happen. Jim, we have a lot in <laughs> common. Yeah, outside of a little town called Barling, Tennessee, outside of Memphis, the first door I knocked on, the lady was not at all impressed with how well I'd done the summer before. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> huh. She did not how care. We, we've all had that feeling, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, not everybody's impressed with us. And, uh, and it was a it was the worst summer I'd ever had. Yeah. Mm. And at the end of the summer, I had fourteen dollars. Wow, oh my that's to my name. 
That's a lot of money to someone, right? (laughs) That's a hundred dollars today dollars, I believe. Oh, we still okay? We still going okay? Yeah, yeah, you're doing great. You're doing great. So fourteen dollars in twenty twenty one is. I didn't have any money. Fifteen. And I'd also gotten a letter from East Central that said I was not going to be able to come back because I'd actually not kept my grade point up high enough. I think I had a one six that second semester. I was dating. I was I was involved in something that was going to be important the rest of my life. Right. Why would I bother with education? You know, you always got education. That was my thinking. Wow. And I, I couldn't go back to school. And uh, Spencer, he was so gracious. And he said, well, well, Jimmy, I tell you what, we don't have anybody in Arkansas. And, and, and you go down there and uh, you build us an organization down there. It's called Washita Baptist, nice little private school you know, 1,500 students. And I said, okay, um, is it a private school? Don't those cost a lot of money? He said, well, yes, but you'll figure that out. You'll figure it out. And so I went to Washita Baptist on the last day, again, last day of enrollment. And the registrar was a lady named Mrs. Rogers. Hmm. Mrs. Rogers said, we can't enroll you without your transcript. And I said, well, my transcript, that'll take a week to get that here. Why do you want my transcript? She said, well, <clears throat> we need to know whether or not you flunked out. We have a policy. If you fail, you got to set out a semester. I said, well, I can just tell you right now, I did flunk out. I don't need a transcript to tell you that. You know, I'll just tell you. She oh, said, well, you can't man. go to school here. You can't go. So fortunately, there in the administration building of Washington Baptist, they had a pay phone. Another payphone. So I called Let's yes, go. again. Spencer. And he said, Jimmy, I tell you what now, you you find out who the president of that college is. Mm. And you set up a meeting with him and you go talk to him and you you let him know that you're gonna go back out because you've learned a great lesson and you're gonna make a lot of money this next summer and you're gonna pay him everything you owe him if he'll just let you go to school that year. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So I went back to Mrs. Rogers and said, uh, I need to see the president. She said, well, that won't do you any good. <laughs> and uh, but she told me his office was upstairs. So I went upstairs and he happened to be in and told his receptionist, you know, I'm a student there, or going to be a student, one talk to him. And I told him the story. I told him how I'd gone out. I made a lot of money my first summer. And then, you know, not so good my second summer. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any place to live. My wife of just a few months is down in the lobby, kind of wondering what's going on with all of this. Who did she marry? I'm wondering about all of that. I'm sure what's going through her mind. (laughs) And he listened to my story and he took a sheet of paper, a little square thing off his desk. And he said, enroll Jim Potts unconditionally. And he folded it up, gave it to me. I read it going down the stairs. And he said, when you get everything enrolled, come back up and talk to me. Hmm. Okay. So that's, that's what I think selling does for you. It gives you a, you know, I face discouragement. This is nothing. (laughs) Goodness gracious. What was the conversation like? Do what? What was the conversation like after you got enrolled? Was it just. With her? With the president. The, the conversation with her is that she cried. She was so angry that he yeah. had overruled her. And I went back up and he said, okay, so here's the deal. You don't have a place to live. 
So I've arranged for you to live on campus. We have married campus and you're going to, you're going to live there. You don't have to pay any rent this year. Wow. And he said, uh, no, you don't have any money. So you don't have to pay any money this year. I'm going to believe you. You're going to come back and do this the next year. <laughs> oh, His name was gosh. Dr. Phelps. They Dr. don't make people Phelps. like that anymore. Dr. Phelps. Wow. And about that time, the phone rang. He said, well, do you all have any furniture? I said, we don't have anything. He said, okay, we'll get you some furniture. And the phone rang and it was the maintenance guy telling him they didn't have any refrigerators anywhere. And he told him the guy's name was Wimpy Hendricks. He said, well, Wimpy, wait about 30 minutes and then go up to my house. And he called his wife and he said, uh, we got a student here who needs our refrigerator spare when we got in the garage. So empty that out. And uh, Wimpy will be there in about half an hour to pick it up. <coughs> you went what? You made you made one of the biggest sales of your life right there. <laughs> but the biggest one was that summer before. Oh yeah, with your wife. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I went out, sold in North Carolina that summer, and made enough money and come back and paid him everything, everything I owed. Unbelievable. You know, and uh, so that was a great feeling. Oh my goodness gracious. And and so you you gather these stories, you know, and they're by the way, uh Washita actually asked me to come down a few years ago and speak to the graduating class. Hmm. And uh so I guess they 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 got over it. And, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> the, the the president of the college uh, then at the time Dr. Warren called me in before the speech and he said, uh, "Jim, you, I understand, uh, had kind of a reputation of uh, arguing with teachers and even was asked to leave a few classes. I said, well, that's true. I was. And he said, we would ask you, uh, maybe don't mention that. You know, he <laughs> said, you know, I said, it's actually going to be the point of my speech today. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. That's great. Challenge wow. the status quo. Wow. So I went on and and uh, sold some more summers. Um, the, that um, was that was sixty eight, right? That third summer was sixty. We haven't even gotten to the moon yet when you did that. That was sixty seven. Sixty seven. I sold. In, yeah. I sold in North Carolina, Hendersonville, just south of Asheville. My cousin lives Wonderful in Hendersonville. Wonderful summer. Loved it there. It's beautiful there. We couldn't find a place to live. Beth and I couldn't. We finally talked to. Uh, two elderly sisters to open up an old cabin they hadn't had opened up in years and let us live there. It had no um, hot water. Oh. So cold showers just kind of, you know, <laughs> I was already used to them. <laughs> you said, <yep. laughs> and uh, and that, was, that was a good summer. And Beth was My carrying, goodness. you know, our first child by then. So that was quite an experience. Wow. I, uh, I met a guy there named Buck Huntley. And Buck Huntley was an old Baptist preacher. And uh, he had started a lot of churches in the valley around Hendersonville. And I forgot the name of the little towns out there. Bat Cave, Lake Lure. Okay. <laughs> and yep. uh, and he, he bought a layman's Bible encyclopedia really liked it we didn't sell the knaves that next year that was a different division and and buck i learned so much from buck huntley 
He had come back from World War II, decided to surrender to preach, started a little church, and he only had two at the end of the year, only two people that came, and they were both of his aunts. His aunts came. And, uh, you know, can you imagine that discouragement? Wow. And so Buck, he was called Bear Bear Hunting Buck. You can actually look him up online, I'm sure. Bear Hunting Buck Huntley. And he told me the story of how he got involved in a wagon train. He's kind of an outdoorsman. And there was a wagon train that that left that part of North Carolina and would go down into Georgia and come back. And there were, you know, 20 or 30 wagons that would, they, it's just, a, it's, I think it's still done to this day. Wow. And he said he learned a valuable lesson. He said, Jim, when you, uh, every night when you camp, these guys would sit around the campfire. And he said, I'm going to tell you, life stories are, are, are made around the campfire. Yeah. You know, and he said, there's something about people when they're sitting around the campfire, they just feel safe. They're relaxed. And he said, I started more churches on those wagon trains. I'd pick a young man and I'd go help him get started. And and Buck gained quite a reputation. And uh, after a few years, they had over 100 wagon train, wagons involved in that, that train. There were five wow. brothers and, and uh, four of them were preachers. <clears throat> Buck you know, we talked a few times. He died in, I think, 88. His uh, older brother was um, Wade Huntley. And Wade I talked to about seven or eight years ago was the last time. Wow. And uh, he remembered me. People just, you know, if I think it's, it's how you make an impression on people and right. the questions or the sincerity or whatever. I was sincere. <clears throat> I may have to get some more water. May have to take a break. Yeah, sure, but okay. I call Wade one more time to tell him what I had learned from him and Ted and his brother Buck that summer. And I didn't know he was driving. His wife was listening on the telephone. She said, "I don't remember you, young man, but I'll tell you right now, you have made his day." <laughs> and, uh, I. I think I can get these numbers right. He'd still pastored this, this same church 47 years. And uh, he was 89 or 90. And I said, how's Ted doing? He said, well, Ted's not in good health. And uh, he moved up to East Tennessee. And he had to quit preaching last year. I said, how old is Ted? He said, well, he's 97. And it was oh, just yeah. too much for him wow. to keep going. <laughs> Pretty good age right there. Dang. Wow. He quit early. Jeez. What do you say? Let's take a quick break. Yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. If you need a water, we can we Is can that fill. all right, Nick? Yeah. Absolutely. Perfectly fine. We've got sponsors to to give some masks. Now let's for. get some commercials going and I'm gonna go yeah. get some water. Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm gonna sponsor it. this myself. Oh uh, hey. Nick, we can talk about that for sure. <laughs> um yeah, I'll, let me mute him real quick. Yeah, so, we're not sponsored by Jim Potts, but we could be. But, but we could be. <laughs> but we are uh, brought to you by uh, Southwestern Real Estate, which is super exciting. One of our one of our partnerships, one of our earlier partnerships that we had, um, and so we are excited to be working with that organization. Of course, uh, started by Pat Roach in twenty. 20- 07, 2007. Yeah, yeah it's, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 we, we tell the story every time. And if this is the first episode you're hearing, if you don't know, Pat started the company uh, without any knowledge of the industry right before the worst meltdown in the industry. And so uh, pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff. So now Southwestern Real Estate's grown into 
this giant uh, real estate company that is still reaching uh, several different states. They are across Nebraska, Colorado, they'll be opening Colorado in January, Florida, uh, your roommate, uh, yep. there, Nick. They've got Illinois, uh, Iowa. Yeah, so um, it's definitely a great way for you to get into real estate if you've kind of been thinking about it, uh, getting into real estate because you know the market's really hot right now, especially for sellers. Um, it's uh, definitely worthwhile to, you know, hit your wagon on to Pat Roach of uh, Southwestern Real Estate for the culture they've built there. So yeah, yeah. and our upcoming guest here, uh, Grant Greeter, is actually uh, working for Southwestern Real Estate. He loves it. Uh, he. He was and we love for Grant. It. Yeah. So if you're if you if you currently are like Grant was a little bit ago, where he was looking for something that was a little bit more flexible, that he could set his priorities correctly, and that you know he he had been interested in real estate for a while. If that's you, if you like that culture, that Southwestern, that positive culture Jim's been sharing uh, of Southwestern, uh, with with like ninety nine percent drama free is what. Uh, so Pat made sure we mentioned, then that's what you want to go to. So if you guys want, uh, one of the things that Pat has agreed to is if you're listening in and you would like more information, we can get you on one-on-one with Pat. Um, so that way you can uh, get more information directly from him. But yeah, Southwestern Real Estate, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for being awesome and for being fans for sure. And then also we are brought to you by Nick. DJ, Martin, and Lucas. Um, these guys just finished a summer this past summer. Martin um i think he's almost like fsl level for the utah area he's a stud um there with lucas they're building out a dj um i, I guess what do you call it dj crew uh, yeah. a, a business where they're yeah. straight up uh, flying out to events and um playing you know music that matches exactly what you're looking for at a wedding uh some kind of event a get back they're playing grs this january yeah. which is really exciting so yeah. yeah, shout out Martin and, and Lucas. If you guys are looking for an event and have some good vibes and good music rolling, regardless of the type of music you want, these guys are definitely guys to call. So they are GRS quality. If it's good enough for GRS, that's good enough for you. I gotta say, nobody throws a party better than that. So for sure. Welcome back, uh, Jim. Um, I think you, I muted you. I, I muted you just in case there was background noise. So if you could unmute yourself really quick. <laughs> Unmute on the, your, on your computer. Yeah. yeah. When you when you left, I muted just in case, but now there I can you hear you. Perfect. We're back. Let now. me ask you a question. Who sure. are you talking to? Are there people listening? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's people oh. listening in live. There's there's yeah. some live listeners, and then most of our listeners come uh, through our um, you know broadcasts on Anchor, which is an audio platform to get to Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as YouTube. So yeah. Yeah. We actually get quite a few, quite a bit of viewers, and they're all mostly book people, like most, right. most of them. Yeah. Let me tell you, if I can, a story of uh, what what I had done over the summers is develop a philosophy of life. Tell us more. From that, from that phone booth, that first summer, a philosophy is born. <clears throat> another story for another time happened in the summer of 1970, south of Lexington, Kentucky, uh, near a little town called Wilmore. Hmm. That's all I'll tell you now, other than the change in my philosophy was so dramatic, that happened in 1970, that in 2005, I drove back to that place 
went to that house. I didn't go up and knock on the door. It's 30 years later, 35, and relive the entire experience at that house because I never, ever wanted to forget it. And then I come back home 11 hours. So. Wow. So the, what is this life philosophy, Jim? We're, yeah. We are, we, we are creatures, emotional creatures. We're created that way. And we want to pay attention to the emotions. I mean, yeah, there's anger, and, but there's also passion, right? There's also love. And so call them the good emotions. I'm not going to tell that story, but maybe some other time I will. Uh, I, uh, my voice is getting a little hoarse. But let me, that now my last summer, 71, again, you know, uh, going back to see people that I sold you know, <laughs> and people that made an impact, I appreciated so much the genuineness of people and the wisdom of people that I, um, I didn't follow the rules very well my last summer. I decided I was going to change what I did. And uh, my sales manager asked me to not tell anybody. But mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to take some extra time at every house. And I'm going to work and practice on getting people to believe in themselves. That's what I want to do. And that takes a little bit of extra. It's not about money anymore. I knew I could make money. In fact, I was out there 10 weeks uh, when Al Godwin called me. And he said, Jim, right now you're in first place. You sold more than anybody else in the company. And I said, you know, that really isn't important to me. It really never was my goal. Uh, I had a different goal for this summer. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm achieving that. I feel good about it. And then they called me and said, we want you at Hilton Head. We want to offer you a position. Spencer did as sales manager. Mm -hmm. Wow. But... Um, I want to I want to get through that and come to Northwest Arkansas after I left being the sales manager. <clears throat> and one thing I th I think happens is you can get burned out selling. Mm -hmm. And with a political science major, other than my short six week stint being a poster for a congressman, running guy fronting for Congress, <clears throat> a position I retired I mean resigned from after six weeks. We'll go into that. <laughs> um, I was selling insurance and absolutely did not like it at all. And I thought if I'm going to make the kind of money I want to make, which was a lot. I mean, I really, really wanted to make a lot of money. Um, I got two kids, three kids, one, one. Well, <clears throat> I got three kids by 77. Four years later, and I thought. I want to make a lot of money hmm. and I'm not going to do it selling people something one at a time. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a need here in Northwest Arkansas of an employer and, and see what I can do to help. <clears throat> so I went out, and uh, started just visiting with people who were at chicken places and they were managing supervisors. And I wanted to learn about them, their job, their challenges, what they, their dreams for their future. <clears throat> and I talked to some really, really neat guys, smart guys, smartest one only went to the eighth grade, great mathematician. 
And then I called on the CFO of Tyson Foods, one of the largest companies in the world, right? Right. And I said, I, I want to present an idea to y'all that I think will help you accomplish your goals of building your company. Hmm. And he said, what is it? And I said, I want to present to you an idea of a new type of profit sharing plan. <laughs> <coughs> and he listened for a while and he said, well, a nice guy, John McGuire passed away, uh, you know, here about six months ago, 90 years old. He said, well, Jim, you seem like a sincere person. And, and how long have you been doing this now? And I said, well, I think now about three months. <laughs> and, uh, do, you, do you like have any people with you or no, it's just me and, and nobody works for you. No, it's just me by myself, but I really want to, to present, make a presentation on this idea. And he said, well, here's the deal. We, we actually are considering something other than our pension plan. <clears throat> and, uh, we got people flying in here from everywhere. We got people coming in from New York and LA and Memphis. And I said, Oh, Mr. McGuire, I, I want you to know, I know there is no chance mm. of your buying my plan. Mm. I just want an opportunity to practice what I feel like I need to learn to do. Right? Just practice. <laughs> just practice. And I said, and he reminded me again, he said, well, I, want, I, I wouldn't want you to be discouraged if we let you do that because we don't have a lot of time. It's our executive committee. And, oh, I... It's just an opportunity to practice. I'll appreciate it so much. What I had done in learning about all of those supervisors at those plants and talk to other people that work for Tyson Foods, I learned something. None of them had planned to be there very long. None of them. <clears throat> I think one, Gene Hartman. And, uh, and that was a problem for Gene because you train somebody and they quit. You train somebody and they quit. Turnover right. is called. And so I made my presentation, and it was a radical plan. Because back then, the most popular profit-sharing plans were called a 440. A 40, you're 40% vested in four years, and you're 100% vested in 15 years. So Gotcha. Yeah, I'm with you. You got Nobody planned to be there 15 years. Right. I knew that. And when I made my presentation, and I had to, I didn't have the tax knowledge. So this was going to be costly. I had to hire a tax lawyer from Boston, but I wanted the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I convinced a, an insurance company, Travelers, I said, I think y'all will have a good chance of looking at your products to fund this, I need some help. I want. I need a good tax lawyer. <clears throat> it's a big company, Tried. and they agreed to fly one down, and uh, you know, flew him down to Dallas. And of all things, uh, this is a little side note. Uh, the plane to get him from Dallas, uh, Fort Worth Airport, uh, Northwest Arkansas, was delayed or shut down, and he called and said, "I'm not going to be able to make it." And I said, I need you here. They given us a two hour window and I need you here. And he said, I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. And I said, stay by this cell phone. I need you to stay by this pay phone here. I mean, the pay phone. 
I had fallen in love with cell phone, uh, pay phone for that type of thing. Yeah. And I started calling around, and I knew the head of aviation at Tyson, so I called him, and he said, well, Jim, we don't have a plane down there. You know, I'd help you if we have one anywhere near there, but we don't. And, you know, man, we, we just weren't going to be able to get that guy up here. And I thought, I'm going to try one more time. And so I called Sam back, Sam Douglas, the aviation guy. He said, let me check. We might have had one of the planes over in Wichita Falls. Oh, man. And he called over there. He said, you know, we do. It's going to be at Love Field in an hour. Can you get your guy from Dallas Fort Worth to Love Field? I said, yes, I can. I called the payphone back. And he was walking by. And he thought, well, he told me to stand by here. So he went over and answered it. And I said, all I said was this. They're sending a plane for you. It'll be at Love Field in an hour. Be there. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so anyway we go in and uh, he does his part and i talk about and uh, the, the cfo said why five years because you're asking us to match whatever they put in right up to a three percent level of their income and in five years they can walk away with all of it yes they can actually get 20 percent every year for five years so that's radical. And he wow. said, well, how did you stumble upon five years or something to that effect? And I said, well, you don't have anybody that plans to be here 15. So it, it'll be just a gimmick. It won't work. <clears throat> and uh, Mr. Tyson was sitting over there saying nothing. He finally said, how do you know? And I told him I'd been out to the plants. <clears throat> and I named off the names of people I'd talked to. And I'd been down to Spring Hill, Louisiana, and drove over into Tennessee. I said, by the way, you got a labor union problem over in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and up in the Missouri, Bearville, and all around it. I met all these people, and I, I remember the names. So Amazing. Uh, I think it was two days later. It might have been a day later. Two days later, John McGuire, the CFO, called me, and he said, Jim, uh, I want you to know out of our six people on the committee, you got one vote. And I said, was it yours? And he said, no, it was Don's. We need you here in the morning. <laughs> Let's go. Nick, that was 1980. Ah. That was a $63,000 paycheck that day. Wow. Whoa. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And what happens... You know, if I if I look back on that, on that I, I only did that for 15 years. I got to where I, you know, ERISA come in. The federal government started messing around with profit sharing plans. They weren't as attractive. Defined benefit plans were just something that nobody should have done ever. And uh, so I, I quit that and, and uh, got in. I'm, I'm just kind of used to getting about every 15 years starting a new business. I just yeah, it's have to do that. Something different. And uh, the, the Tysons did bring me in their family. He wanted me to help with their family trust and so forth. And and I did for a few years. Wow. I charged them a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but what wow. I learned from that is uh, be persistent, but find what the need is. I felt this really strongly that those executives and working in Don's company made a great deal of money. He paid them well. And I also knew that if I had a long vesting schedule, 
they would like to see people leave because that goes into their pocket, see? Right, mm -hmm. yeah. That doesn't help Don Tyson build his company at all. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was my presentation and he loved it. Now that was wow. 1980. That plan is still there to this day. Wow. Still working the same way um, after all these, whatever that is, 41 years later. Having wow. educated people. I talked about the dreams of his employees to have a better life for their kids, to educate them, to buy their own home, to live the American dream and stay at Tyson Foods in the meantime. So, I just, I'm blown away. Ahead. I just want to point out how awesome like that whole tr you know, like brain wave is that train of thought of like going and talking to people in an industry that you just happen to, you know, see a lot of and care a lot about. Um, you were talking to people that you took the interest that you had when recruiting people to sell books. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? What are your goals? What are your dreams? And you took that exact same conversation um, to these people that work for Tyson and understood exactly why um, they weren't being served to meet those goals, meet those dreams, um, you know, by having, you know, a 15 year wow. retirement plan. Um, and wow. you, you change a lot of lives by doing that. So that's, that's it, it's a very rewarding feeling to this yeah. day. Wow. You know, <coughs> that I Makes you want to go and do that for some random industry professional um, you know, key, key players in different companies or industries and just bring information that helps um, that endeavor. It's crazy. That's amazing. Entrepreneurship. It's a free wow. enterprise. It's capitalism. Find the need. Yep. Find That's the amazing. Need. And, wow. Uh, so, um, you know, that's a, there's been a lot of things since then. I, I, I think uh, I got this movie producer that's talking about a book. Now, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the epitome of wealth today. I'm, I'm just sure. not. And um, I, I kind of, I have my three sons and my eight grand, grandchildren. Uh, I, let me tell you something I did when I was recruiting. By the way, Nick, Spencer asked me to go to Washington Baptist and build an organization. So in 67, I took out 17 guys and 12 of them quit. Ooh. I didn't want to do that anymore. <clears throat> and, uh, but uh, two years later, I built my organization up in 69. Uh, I took over 60 guys to Nashville from little old school, Washington Baptist, and built an organization of over 100. In 1969, and, and the greatest, the greatest thing I think I feel the best about outside of my family is helping these young men, right? Just investing in <laughs> yeah. them, and and kind of pay that back. I know that sounds corny, but somehow giving back to all the people that invested in me, me investing in others, and that's what you are left with at the end. And there is not a day that goes by, Andres, that I don't wish that Spencer was still alive or that Clyde Irving was still alive or that Alvin Beatles was still alive and all these guys that I knew that have passed on. And uh, I genuinely wow. miss them. I really miss them. And we remained friends for years and wow. years and oh, decades. Oh, goodness gracious. You know? And it's the, it's the greatest thing. 
Here's what I did when I was recruiting. I asked people to list the things they value the most in life. What do you value the most? And I would help them get started. Well, your education, do you value your education? Yes, good. <clears throat> do you have a car? Do you value your car? Is it a nice car, a junky car, a car that gets you your value? Yes, you have a pet? Yes. And I would have them list seven or eight things they value. And I said, now, we're, we're going to learn a lesson tonight. And, and, and I'm going to help you understand uh, how what I did selling books helped me understand priorities in life. Mm. So what I want you to do, you got seven or eight there. I want you to mark off the two that you're willing to give up. You just give them up. If, if you have to make that choice, because you very well may have to, what are those? And I, I think the first time I ever did that was in 69. And, um, and you know, I still have some of those friends to this very day. Most have passed away, unfortunately. Wow. Uh, we got oh, to the man. top three. The top three. The top two have never changed in all these years. And I do that to this day, interviewing people, talking to people about their lives. Yeah. And that's what I do. Let's just, let's just talk about values. What do you really value? What means right. the most to you? Right. And they scratch them off one at a time. I had one girl start crying. I said, you're all right. She, I just scratched my pet off, my, my dog I've had for a long time. We won't tell your dog. <laughs> oh and, and here's the top three. And I begin to realize this for everybody that I will now meet for the rest of my life. These are their top three. And all I have to do is let them help help them understand those values and and then I can find out whatever it is their need is it's centered around those three things and you're yeah. going to like one of these Andres the number one is family it's been number it's been number one from the very beginning now people say God I said well I'm not going to let you put God because I don't know how to check with him see if you're telling the truth but, <laughs> but everybody feels like they got to do that okay that's just, you know, politically correctness, I guess. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, God, family, so forth. Everybody puts family at the top. Everybody, as you eliminate them, is family. Number two, 100% of the time that I've been doing this, with a few exceptions, is friends. Mm -hmm. The better part of one's life is your relationships. Mm -hmm. And number three is actually health. Mm -hmm. health wow. and your education is valuable if you have bad health you know if you're you know, whatever it is and and i think about that every single person i eat i mean meet i i start off by asking them a question i didn't ask y'all but everybody else i meet i ask them a question are you from oklahoma <laughs> i'm from and Omaha. they either say <laughs> yes, how did you know? Or they say, no, I'm not. It doesn't matter what they say. It's wow. the beginning of the conversation. That's, That's awesome. And it's so much fun when people say, well, yes, I, I am from Oklahoma. You know, I thought so. <laughs> you did? Well, yeah, I did. You look like and, and, then, <laughs> and then what I do, even in the stores, I, uh, I still work in the stores. I go in. I love to meet new customers. People see old ones.
And, um, you know, we just sat down sometimes on the leather couch there and, you know, I say, tell me about your life. Tell me your story. You know, tell me yeah. all these years later, what means the most to you? Wow. And, and what a, what a wonderful thing. Now, man, with a pandemic and everything, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this one last story where things come in handy. Is that okay? We got time for one Yes. One? Yeah, we got time. We yeah. have a big company here. It happens to be the largest company in the world. Walmart. Right. <clears throat> Not the most valuable. The Walton family. But the, the Walton family is here. And the name of our stores are called Lewis and Clark Outfitters. And in 2007, for whatever reason, uh, somebody there decided, wouldn't that be neat to take the Lewis and Clark name and put it on product and sell it inside our stores? Hmm. Not a good idea, you know? Oh, no. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, uh, I went to the guy that was doing that, re causing all that to happen. And I said, you, you know, you're going to have to quit. You can't do that. And he told me, okay, but he didn't quit. And so a year later, it, it got a little hairy. And I called an old friend of mine from Oklahoma City named Terry Tippetts. Now, I did have the number three organization one year, and Terry was one step above me. Ah. He became a brilliant lawyer in Oklahoma. He's made the Hall of Fame. He's won an incredible number. And I called Terry, and I said, a funny thing has just happened. Uh, road construction shut down my best store. They said it'd be shut down for a few months. It's now going to be shut down for two years. Oh. And uh, my bank has failed. And here I am, the biggest company in the world, is trying to use my name in their stores. And uh, Terry can, can cuss. I won't say what he said. Typical lawyer. We're not going to let those <laughs> SOBs get away with that, Tim. And I said, well, trademark law is pretty expensive. What do you suggest? He said, I suggest you let me underwrite this for you. I'll do this out of my own pocket because I was really hurting at that time financially with everything going on. My bank failed because now it's 2008 <clears throat> when it came to a head. So this guy come to the store one day <clears throat> and introduced himself and said his name was Lee Scott. I said, well, I thought I recognized you uh, the CEO at Walmart. Yes. The longest serving oh. CEO at Walmart. And he said, uh, Jim, I heard about uh, our using products with your name on it. And uh, is that something that can be worked out? Maybe that we can work something out? And I said, well, I guess your real question is, am I going to sue you? That's got to be the real question you're wondering. <laughs> and right. he just stood there. And he said, can we meet in my office? And Lee and I had several meetings. Um, my, my first meeting that I had with him, I said, let's do this. Let's get to know each other, but we're not going to talk about this, this legal thing. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not going to discuss it. I don't think that's appropriate. Don't think it's a good idea uh, because it's your company and I have no business being involved in your company, Dick. That was a brilliant thing that I said. And do you know how I knew to say that? I called my lawyer and said, the CEO wants to meet with me. What do I say? And he said, you say this right here, Jim, you follow my instructions. <laughs> there you go. You were coachable. <laughs> there I am. Amazing. And, and that become a good long relationship. And, um, wow. you know, there's, there's been so many things. Can we do this again sometime? Or is there a way I can listen in to your ponytails? Yeah. 
all the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I Episode would, I mean, twice a week. Listen, we still like we we'd have to do this again because we still have to, I still wanted to ask you about like Spencer Hayes and your relationship with him and we can save that yeah. story for the next episode. No no rush on that. We can definitely have you back again for sure. Um I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about Lewis and Clark Outfitters and what you guys are up to now and like how you built that as well. That well, I don't know, you know if you the have supply chain has wrecked our company. You know, I think we got in uh, 20% of our allotments of what we do. Um we become giant is the largest bicycle company in the world by double. Wow. And uh, we're just two stores here in town, but we managed to be their number four, four dealer in the nation, number four. But then they came out with a women's specific brand called Lyft. And, and if there's anything I'm an expert in, my wife's not here. She can't hear me say this. If, if there's anything I'm an expert in, it's women. I sat down in the homes of many, many, many thousands of women, one-on-one. And I said, this, this brand is going to go somewhere. It's going to be big. And uh, you know what? I know how to do this. And I trained our people. And at the end of the second year or third year, <clears throat> I called the company and I said, I'm very competitive. Tell me what the number one live store in the nation is. And they said, we'll have to get back to you. And they called me back. It took them two weeks. I couldn't believe it took them that long to figure out something. <laughs> and and we were number one. We beat an eight-store chain in Southern California by 200 bikes. There you go. Wow. We set a lot of records. We've been through the toughest times of my entire life. Wow. And, um, well, I'll tell you this. That we were going to do a big expansion. I borrowed $2.5 million. And uh, two months later, COVID hit. That's not no. very good timing. Our traffic, our traffic dropped ninety percent. Oh no! Nightmare. Wow. And uh, you know, another story for another time. And as I sit here, telling the truth, I can't tell you the future. I can't tell you what's going to happen to our company. You know, I don't know those things. <clears throat> I know we've been through. You know, road closures. We've been through failed banks. I spent three years in federal court suing new different people, one out of Chicago, trying to take our trademark away from us, over a million dollars in legal expenses. I, you know, there's so many, so many challenges. Um, but I knew this that for us to grow and become strong, we have to struggle. There is no growth without struggle. Mm. You have to struggle. Right. And it's a little hard to look forward to the struggle because my sons are involved in this. And that's, you know, that's hard because when you borrow a lot of money, they may want some collateral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they may ask you for their homes and your farms, which in this case they did. So some mornings I wake up wondering, well, next month, will I lose everything? Mm. But you remember the three things? That's you right. always remember the three things family you know? friends family and, friends and, and your health health and so yeah, far my health you. is in good shape that'll fail one day well i you know i actually didn't know i thought i would just be talking to you two guys but y'all actually that's why you you do this uh, i don't think i have the words that can express accurately what Southwestern experience meant to me. I really, I don't know how to do that. Wow. 
And, uh, you know, I've, I've got story after story after story of things that have helped. And, and uh, you know, it, it's just there's no way. There's no right. way to. And there's no way to tell anybody else that they would understand. It. They would never understand. If you had Zoe books, you don't understand. Do you? No. Do you think you do? Not entirely. That's for sure. I, I think you there's can. It's, it's, I think it's the same way that you can explain to someone like a color through any like if i said to you like explain the color red without using the word red you would say cherry you would say strawberry you would say you know blood right my wall right and people would understand it but but it doesn't quite so i think people can understand in that form but not quite get it if you didn't actually like go through it. and that's okay near near, yeah doesn't evoke the same emotions because here's the thing like when you talk about people that you met you that you that's you sold books with that will forever impact your life and you'll always stay in touch i can relate to that even though you sold in the 60s and i sold in 2012 right when when it comes to um the door that the people that fed you or the cool lady at the shop that you had a tough day at and like kind of give you solid advice um the the desire to come back the i personally myself to make a long story short had a great first summer my second summer was worse but by my third summer i also had flunked out of school and had the worst summer i had ever had in my entire <laughs> career i wasn't married was the only thing but but uh but like when you like but the thing is it's amazing that it that hasn't changed in 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 that amount of time and and the fact that i can I mean, here's the thing. There's probably things that uh, you can find to disagree with with anybody, right? But no matter what, I can always know that if someone sold books, no matter how they look at life, that they understand what it was like to go through something like that and really find yourself and find what you're made of and be exposed in such a way that like helped you build yourself up from like those depths, you know, and you get it and I get it and Nick gets it. and it's hard to explain to anybody that's listening that didn't sell books, but we did it. We're doing our best with this thing. So <laughs> thanks for being on and for sharing. Let me let me say, can I have one more minute? Something I'd <laughs> like to talk about, you know, the greatest team yeah. I was ever a part of. And uh, 68, two of the guys I thought the world of quit. They just quit during oh, the summer. Yeah. yeah, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Both married, never wanted to see books again. Uh, one of them quit school, went to work in a paper mill in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. <laughs> it, it was tough. And I told my sales manager I was going to get them to come back. And uh, we yeah. were going to form a team, you know, and I was going to help them overcome the fears that they had. I knew I could do that. Wow. And I, I said, but you have to let them work with me. So, uh, Chester Gray was one of those. Um, he lives in Boonville, Arkansas. He had a stroke 21 years ago mm. and, and has done remarkably well overcoming it, paralyzed on his right side. Wow. And um, the other was Jerry Reed. He passed away five years ago, and I took those two guys out. And um, I dedicated myself to them. Chester finished number 11 that summer, which was pretty doggone good. Yeah. And Jerry, number 13, to me at 16. I, they both beat me, which is great. <laughs> you know, I had a big organization that summer in 69. I'd taken 60 guys out. And, wow. and uh, but those those two guys were really special. And, and to see Jerry Reed's um, 
dream of becoming an educator. Mm-hmm. And he had a very unfortunate marriage and uh, she wanted him to quit school and all. And, and he quit in the middle of the summer and went home and mm-hmm. got him a job in a pine, in pine Bluff, Arkansas. And I got back from my summer and I went over to see him and, uh, you know, uh, he told me that he just didn't feel like school was right for him and what all that stuff. And I sold and sold and finally said, well, even if I wanted to, and I, I think I would like to, but I, I don't have any money, Jim. I, I don't have any money to go to school. It's expensive school. It's a private school. And he said, uh, you know, we wouldn't, we don't have any furniture except this is a trailer house is furnished. We don't have, and, and where would we live? And, and how would I pay that? See, those things are insurmountable. And I said, I have a friend. And I talked to him before I come to see you. And he said he will let you go to school at Washita next year, this year, rather. And you don't have to pay anything. <laughs> and I told him, you're going to need a place to live. So he set aside a, an apartment <laughs> and he's furnishing it for you. <laughs> and he said, you're kidding. I said, no, I, I got it all worked out. There are no barriers. And he went on oh. and he did exceptionally well and uh, got to be a Christian edu- educator in a Christian school like he wanted. And, and uh, wow. you know, what a best part of our life, re- relationships. Well, listen, what a pleasure meeting you two. Oh, man. Jim, this is so fun. You know? you, y'all wow. are nice. You listen to an old man tell stories. Old men like <laughs> hey, to tell stories. No, 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 no. This is, this nice. is, really, <laughs> this is wonderful. Um, I, we'll, we'll wrap up the episode and then at the, and the, at the goodbyes. How do we we'll wrap talk. it up? Do I just get up and leave or? No, I'll I'll end the live stream and then we can say goodbye. <laughs> so you just sit there for just a <laughs> sec. Um, but first of all, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you so much thank for you. for being on and uh, this really this episode was, it did a really good job of of capturing that aspect of our podcast, which is that we can connect with anybody. We can bring the network to life, as as Nick likes to say. So, um, Nick, if you want, do me a favor, uh, tell me who's coming up next in the next like couple weeks or the next few episodes, and then we can say goodbye to everyone and then say goodbye to Jim. Got it. So this upcoming Sunday, Jim, you got to tune in for this one. Grant Greeter was our sales manager back in the day, our director of the force organization, 25 year uh, bookman, um, 10,000 unit producer. He was amazing as a leader. Uh, we're excited to have him on Sunday at 1230 central. So be sure to tune in for that one, everyone. Uh, we're taking Thursday for Thanksgiving off the Sunday afterwards, and then we're getting right back at it on December 2nd with Josiah Fogel, um, Austin Souders the following Sunday, Todd McWhorter, big name in the business. Todd McWhorter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people know Todd. Uh, Brian Harbin, he he was a a pretty well-known bookman back in the day. Trey George out of LSU. There's a lot of really great people. Yeah. Um, I I can send you some older guys like Jim Garbo. Yes. Yes, that would be great. And then um, there's also potential. Uh, we have uh, uh, mentioned. Uh, actually, I'll save that for later. That's a big announcement. We'll, sure, we'll, sure. I'll save that for later. Um, okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for listening. Um, make sure you catch us. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't. And thanks for uh, following along. Bigger announcements on our alumni uh, trip also coming up for Bizzler and for Merch. So keep it. Uh, keep keep following us, and we'll uh, keep giving you some more information. On that note, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Take it good. Thank you.